Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. That's what Duncan Smith had to say to me earlier today. We can't get a same day PCR test anywhere in this country. Uh, like this morning, for example, in Wexford, if you woke up with symptoms and took an antigen test and you went to book uh, a PCR test at 8 o'clock this morning, there was only one test in the county uh, in White Mills at 8.40. Uh, within two minutes, that test had gone. So you have to wait until nearly 1 o'clock tomorrow in order to get your first PCR test. It's just not good enough. I mean, we are uh, over 18 months into this pandemic. At the very root of being able to tackle it is a strong testing and tracing regime. And now we're in the fourth wave. The virus is spreading all over the country. And people are having to wait between a day and a half to two days just to get a confirmatory PCR test. I mean, it's just not good enough at this stage in the pandemic. So what's the solution to this then? Obviously more testers, and I mean, as I mentioned on this programme, I have been PCR tested myself on a couple of occasions in the recent weeks, um, and they are doing fantastic work. You cannot fault the testers themselves. In fact, I take my hat off to them. They're incredible people. Yeah, look, the state is performing 196 to 197,000 tests a week, and that is a phenomenal amount. But unfortunately, with this fourth wave, it's not enough. And we have known for weeks that the trajectory of this virus has only been going one way. It's been going up and up and up. And the amount of tests needed per week has been going up and up and up. I have my own experience of having to get a test uh, a couple of weeks ago. And from... Uh, Booking my test that when I actually got the result, it was nearly three and a half days. Now, that is a long time when we're looking to stay on top of a virus, but we're looking to stay on top of our um, contacts, and we're looking to try to hunt the virus down and keep it at bay. So we're losing valuable time. So this was all foreseeable, that we should have been increasing the resources in our testing centre. Now we see the HSC is actually having to purchase in private testing in the Dublin area in order to meet the demand. And it's just not right that at this stage in the pandemic, the government are scrambling to stay ahead of it on yeah. something as basic as PCR testing. Now, Duncan, you have, and you told me off air, you, you have been battling with COVID. How, how, how has it affected you? Uh, I, I've, been, I've been fine. I, I tested positive. I had, this, uh, uh, I had very mild symptoms uh, because I've been doubly vaccinated, and thank God I was. Uh, but it just goes to show you, you do you do everything right. Uh, you, uh, you, you are as cautious as possible. But this virus is in the community; it's around. Uh, so I've, you know, I, I, I tested positive. I have my ten days in, inside. Uh, I've been symptom free now for many, many days. So uh, I'm getting back out there and trying to uh, catch up on the work I missed. But just like. Uh, thousands and thousands of people in this country this virus is here and it'll get you and if you're vaccinated uh, you have uh, a better chance of staying out of hospital uh, or of being seriously ill and I was very lucky that I was not seriously ill uh, at all and I was able to um, carry on uh, working from home and functioning uh, to a normal capacity but that's down to the vaccination Uh, but we have a problem now with vaccinations as we can see we have issues in relation to people turning up for their boosters and the booster uh, campaign has been slow to get off the ground. I mean, uh, the dogs on the street know that NIAC have dragged their heels in terms of giving the go-ahead uh, for the booster campaign. Um, and the virus now is, remains two or three steps ahead of us. And why do you think the booster campaign has not been as successful as they would have hoped? Well, we're trying to dig into the detail now because only yesterday Paul Reid said that this figure of between 25 and 50% of uh, appointments are no-shows at some of the vaccination centres. Now, what we're hearing and what people have been contacting me yesterday is 
they have received a booster already in their GP surgery uh, or maybe in their uh, HSE workplace. So there might be some double booking. But, you know, 50% in some testing centres is still a large percentage. So we need to see, do people have some vaccine fatigue? You know, are, you know, are people who are sick and unable to go and get it? We just, we just don't know. But it is concerning that when we're trying to uh, amplify the booster campaign uh, and increase it, that uh, we're having this amount of no-shows so early, when we do need people to have confidence in the booster, we do need people to go and get it, uh, and we need to, as always, we need to use every tool at our disposal, uh, be it from the very fundamental piece of our testing, right through to our, 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 our third shot stroke booster uh, vaccine, we need to be doing everything uh, in order to try and beat this uh, uh, terrible virus back. I think the government, including the minister, have seem to have lost the dressing room uh, at this stage, uh, which is very concerning, uh, entering the fourth wave in the middle of November with the gust of winter out ahead of us. Uh, we see uh, with the measures that were announced earlier this week, I'm not getting a sense that the people have faith that these measures are going to work. I hope they do, but we're seeing uh, nightclubs now uh, bring their opening times forward in order to be closed at 12. I mean, that's, I suppose, against the spirit of what these measures are trying to achieve. Um, so there is a real deep concern that this government don't have the ear of the people, that they're not able to lead them on a path uh, out of this pandemic. And I think that's due to the fact that the people have lost faith in them. And there's valid reasons why the people have lost faith in this government. I mean, if you take ICU capacity on, for example, I mean, we have one of the lowest ICU bed rates in Europe. We have 6.5 ICU beds per 100,000 people. The EU average is 11.5. So, like, in real terms, that would mean we need to get from 280 uh, beds in our our country to uh, just over 500 beds. We haven't done that. In the the 20 months of this pandemic, there has been no increase in ICU beds. They've just brought in surge capacity in case you need it. But surge capacity ultimately isn't the solution because if you were to apply uh, an extra 70 beds in ICU for surge capacity, that takes 400 whole-time equivalent regular nursing hours out of the regular health system, which effectively shuts the health system down. So these are the the fundamental principles uh, of having a a functioning healthcare system that haven't been addressed by this minister, and that's why people have lost faith. Uh, That was Labour Party spokesperson on health, Duncan Smith, speaking to me earlier this morning. I'm now joined by Minister of State at the Department of Justice, James Brown. Good morning to you, Minister. Good morning, Al. Very worrying at a a time when people, I'm sure, would be very anxious to get their PCR tests. And on the basis of what Deputy Smith has just told us there, that you cannot get a PCR test in Wexford until at the very earliest tomorrow afternoon. This is something that is a major concern, Minister. No, um, look, we've seen a significant increase uh, and very rapidly in the demand for PCR tests and nobody predicted this level of demand so quickly, including uh, Duncan Smith. But we've seen, if you recall, about this time last year, there was huge uh, demand to get the number of PCR tests that we could do up to 80,000 and 100,000 a week. What the government has done during the period where... Um, coronavirus was a bit more suppressed has actually increased the number and the capacity for PCR tests to almost 200,000 a week and we've seen 200,000 now done in the last seven days and 82% of them are being done within 24 hours and we're scaling up now even further uh, to be able to uh, meet that demand but that will always when you get a sudden surge like you were getting at the moment it will always take a couple of weeks to increase that capacity because to do PCR tests is not a question of simply doing the test it's the laboratory 
laboratories and those technical scientific experts that are required who are working i think behind the scenes we all know about the trojan work for example being done within hospitals by our frontline workers but there's a huge number of workers working behind the scenes such as the scientists who are doing these pcr tests so it is being scaled yeah. up as quickly as possible and when you think about what how the level of scaling up that has happened over the last 18 months indeed for carrying out these types of tests it, it is quite phenomenal when you think about it in that respect uh, and minister the antigen tests are not 100 percent foolproof i know they're better than nothing and, and i mean if you get a positive uh, it's, it seems to indicate if you get an antigen test that is positive that that could be right but the negative side of it people have, have contacted the program to say they've got negative tests and they've gone for pcr tests and the pcr tests have been positive and also when you bear in mind now this five-day rule whereby anybody within a household has to isolate for five days. It's of paramount importance to get the PCR test back as quickly as possible. And Deputy Smith has told us he, he waited three and a half days for his test to come back. This is going to put a lot of lives on hold, isn't it? No, it is, and it's, that, that is a very real frustration for anybody in their lives to have to put it on hold. And as I say, the PCR test, the, the amount of them that has already been massively increased in terms of capacity, and it will be increased further over the coming weeks. And look, the antigen test, there's been pluses and minuses. I mean, that, that debate has raged over the last 18 months about whether or not we should be using antigen tests and to what degree they are good at giving an indicator that you may have uh, COVID, but there's they're far from foolproof and by using them then of course you can get uh, false results as well so that's all that's that ha- that debate has happened mm-hmm. and we've seen in other countries where you have antigen tests you know the COVID is raging as well so it's 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 i think look antigen tests have a very real role and i have wanted to see a greater role for antigen tests to be carried out but they are not foolproof and they won't be foolproof and that's the reality of them unfortunately so what are you saying in response to what we've just heard there are you saying that there, are uh, like we've we, we heard references to privatization of the of the whole the pcr testing situation is the situation going to be speeded up are there extra resources going to be put into this minister no, absolutely. Extra resources will be put into it. And as I say, they've already significant extra resources have been put into scaling up PCR tests. We're now carrying out almost 200,000 a week. And that was almost unmanageable. Uh, uh, over a year ago that you could actually scale up to that level and if they need to be scaled up further they will be scaled up further as well so they will as they as they are needed and I expect that will happen over the coming weeks we need to get those results out to people as quickly as possible so there is minimal disruption to people in their lives who are waiting for these tests and get to get these results back. Where are we at? I mean, you, you are Minister of State, uh, uh, representing your county and, of, and your party, and of course, um, you're, you're close to what's happening. And people are very confused, and they're wondering, is the object now to try and keep as much open as possible within um, reasonable guidelines, or what is the object, or what is the op- what are the potential changes that are further coming down the line, Minister? But the number one priority is always public health, and to protect people's public health. And uh, unfortunately, I think what has happened with the Delta variant, it, it has been a real kicker. Because I think when we examined this just over a year ago, looked at the vaccines that were coming down the line, I think the vaccines were going to be able to really get, help us get back to living our lives as normal. But the Delta variant has such a high rate of transmissibility that it is causing very serious problems. Now, we know, for example, vaccines have had a dramatic effect. And we've seen, for example, that if you get COVID before vaccines, you would have 20% chance of ending up in hospital. That's now below 2%. But what's the pressure is coming on the hospitals is because that 2 percent in real numbers is actually getting quite high because the sheer volume of people who um 
who are getting COVID at the moment. But we, we, COVID could be around forever. So we do have to try and find, and what we're trying to find is that balance between able, being able to keep our society open and act as much as normal as possible yeah. while ensuring that our, our protecting the public health remains that number one priority. And that's never going to be a black and white situation. That is always going to be an element of, of trial and error. You know, some people will want us to go to a very protective situation. The difficulty is that has serious knock-on consequences to how we live our lives and has other consequences, for example, for our mental health and our, our social life and our economic life. And, and the economy is important to fund uh, the rest of our lives. On the other hand, we, we, if we go too open, obviously there are consequences to people's public health as well. So we're trying to find that balance, like maintaining public health as the number one priority, yeah. but as, as well allowing our society to be able to open up as much as possible. And I, I, that's the, the, the core down around that still remains the key points of getting a vaccination, re, retaining social distance, wearing a mask and washing your hands. And if we all do that, we will help to keep and suppress this uh, COVID as much as possible. And the question a lot of people asked me to put to you this morning when I mentioned you were coming on is, are there further restrictions pending immediately or will it be reviewed again after two weeks? What's the story? Well, restrictions will always be kept under review and no restrictions will be brought in unless absolutely necessary. Because as I say, we have to learn how to live with COVID. But, uh, so it is, but we don't know how COVID is going to react. We don't know how society is going to react to COVID as well as we as we keep moving along. So we've seen, unfortunately, you know, we've put in restrictions, we've opened up, we've had to now uh, put a few more minor restrictions back in place. If these restrictions work, we won't have to put any further restrictions in place. If further restrictions are needed to protect the public health, then we will bring in further restrictions if they are necessary. But we are doing everything to ensure and to hope that that certainly doesn't happen. But I think the most important thing, as I say, to ensure that there's no further restrictions is we put a situation in place uh, where people get the vaccines, wear masks, keep social distance and wash their hands. And they are the most important things that anybody could do to help fight this COVID. So basically, if we all take individual responsibility, there may not be a need for further more, uh, further more restrictions. Is that what you're telling me? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, we've seen, we've seen in the past where, you know, when we restrict our social uh, contacts and we, and we take those other important personal health steps, that the COVID does, uh, the spread of COVID does go down. And I know it's more challenging now as we come into winter because we spend more time, in, more time inside and, and with people. So it can be that bit more challenging. But that certainly has been proved in the past because like, we can talk about ICU capacity, for example, and hospital capacity. But the number one priority has to be keep people out of hospitals. I mean, expanding ICU so we can have more people in there. I mean, that's that's the worst end of it. That that is the very thing we want to avoid people going into ICU into, in, and into hospitals. So it is. So mm. that so that's why I'm, I'm so right. strong in emphasising what we can do as individuals. But of course, the state has its role and hugely important role as well. And I, and I would hope that all of us working together can ensure that we can get these COVID numbers back down. We've done it in the past. Wexford has a, a brilliant record of keeping the COVID numbers down. And I've no doubt that we can do it again by a collective effort. My final question comes from a Morning Mix listener who wants to know the contradictory messages that they're receiving. Why are they asking people to work from home and yet allowing over 50,000 to attend rugby and soccer matches in, in, in the Aviva Stadium? That is a question I'm sure you've been asked quite a lot. What's the answer to it? Well, I suppose what we're always trying to do is to find that balance. We know, for example, 
from uh, the research by SAGE uh, in the UK, which is the UK health equivalent to, to our healthcare here in Ireland in terms of public healthcare, that, you know, COVID spreads in workplaces. And when you open up people going back to work, that it can spread an awful lot more. And the, dif- the difference, I suppose, is this. If, you, if you're at a match, you know, you're only there for a certain period of time, a few hours, you are out in the open, it is far more difficult for COVID to circulate. It can happen but it's far more difficult. Whereas if you're in a workplace for 8, 10, 12 hours in that enclosed space with your colleagues, and if one of those has COVID, it is far more easier for you to get it because you're, you're, you're circulating that same airspace for an awful long time. So yeah. I think that, that is the difference there between an outdoor space and an indoor space. But there will always be contradictions as you, as you work in this kind of gray space around a pandemic Mm. around a, a, a disease like COVID that is constantly changing and evolving, you are always going to have elements of these contradictions. And we try to flatten those contradictions as time go on. But it, when you have to move quickly and you have to make decisions to protect the public health, right. you are always going to have elements of these contradictions. But as I say, we watch them and we do hope to kind of flatten those contradictions. I have to break, uh, but uh, there are lots of comments coming in. If I can just bring this one to you, and it has to be my final question for the moment. Do you think the UK are following suit? They seem to be going on as normal with a big population or are they doing things better over there than uh, us here in Ireland? Well, the UK has, I suppose, has had some very different attitudes towards COVID from the very start. I think their initial position was herd immunity. So it was, and then they, they eventually brought in lockdown. So the UK are very good at carrying out research and the very reliable research from their healthcare and their, you know, the, the NHS over there is a brilliant service. But I think that obviously decisions as to what they are doing, how they're reacting to COVID are made at a political level with Boris Johnson. So I think, you know, we have to look at every other country, take the best practice from those countries and use them here in Ireland. But ultimately, we have to make our own decisions. As I said, the UK, I think, looking lots of different decisions making around Brexit and other issues. I'm not sure I'd always be following Boris Johnson and, and the Conservative government in terms of their policy decisions, you know. Okay, thank you for taking the call. Uh, do keep us up to date. That was Minister of State of the Department of Justice. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news, and your views.